Andreas is a man of a uh, few words, but uh, when he says them, they, uh, you get the meaning. Yes, it's powerful. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Beer Opinions Podcast. My name is Pat Berger from uh, Kaiser Tiger and Patty Longs. And with me, as always, is Bruce White of the Chicagoland Beer Tours. We're sharing a mic, so let me uh, pass pass the mic, as they say. Hey, hey how's it going, Pat? Hello, everybody. Um, I just, uh, everything's going well on this end. Just got back from the, uh, shout out to the sailors out there at Port Huron and Mackinac, Chicago Mackinac races uh, this weekend. But it was a shitty race, so I'm ready to drink some beer. No wind and then too much wind. We dropped out. Our boat, that's all I've got. Shout out to the crew of Stealing Gold. That's great. I, you know, as a power boater, um, <laughs> I would say just stick it and steer, you know? But uh, awesome. Yeah, I just got back from Rome, Italy, and, uh, and a little side trip to Florence, and Things were wonderful. I drank a lot of wine. Uh, it was almost refreshing to have a little break from beer, but um, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was happy to get a beer in my mouth when I got home. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. Had a couple of crappy beers over there, but mostly wine. Um, cool. Well, he, we are in the heat of the summer here in Chicago, uh, about midway through. Uh, we are recording at Kaiser Tiger, and we have a couple of guests with us. Uh, Trevor Rose Hamlin, the brewer and co-founder of Old Irving Brewing Company. Is that no Old Irving Brewing? Is that uh, it's, it is? Uh, it's Old Irving Brewing Company. It is company. Yeah. Okay, and good. I, I haven't been on boats, nor have I been drinking wine in Rome. So uh, I've been in a hot ass brewery uh, making beer. I want to make it's that probably like. even hotter right now. Uh, and with him is uh, Andreas Biller. He is the uh, brewer over at Old Irving. Andreas, how you doing, man? Doing real good, thank you. Excellent. Both uh, dreaming of curling at Kaiser Tiger in this weather. Both uh, expert curlers from our curling league. It makes winter worth it, man. It really does. It it's does. so much fun. Yeah, it really does. Um, so we're just going to get right into it and. Uh, let me ask you, Trevor, to give us maybe a little background on Old Irving, one of my favorite breweries. It's in my hood. I'm on the northwest side of Chicago, and uh, you know I like to come in quite a bit with my family. And um, uh, but give us just a little uh, history when you guys started and uh, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm super glad you enjoy it. First of all, uh, it was made you know uh, by the neighborhood for the neighborhood, uh, which is why it's called Old Irving Brewing Company because it is, of course, located in Old Irving Park. However, if you go across uh, Montrose, then you're in technically Mayfair, so we're on the very edge of Old Irving Park, I guess, uh, technically. But uh, yeah, we've been open for almost two years now. We're gonna celebrate our two-year anniversary on September 22nd. We have an Oktoberfest party uh, every year that lasts two days. Uh, Andreas wears his Lederhosen because you see Andreas Biller <laughs> is German. Sexy. Yeah, he shows off some leg. Every now and then, I just have to break him out. <laughs> Something for the ladies. That's right. Uh, and uh, so, kind of like the, a brief, a brief rundown of the history. Basically, I've been working on this brewery for many, many, many years. Basically, like five to six years. Um, started off as one concept. The concept flipped like three or four different times. Um, the original owner uh, and I were uh, were going to be opening. He passed away. 
the story kind of continued under um, uh, Matthias Murgis. We kind of, uh, my, myself and my partner, Jeff Linemeyer, merged with him um, as kind of our food guy because uh, we really wanted a, a great food element uh, as part of our brewery. And, um, and yeah, we, your, your background is in food. You're, you're a yeah, former chef. Correct. Yeah. So uh, kind of spent my years. I actually moved out to Chicago a decade ago. Uh, August 19th of this year, which is kind of crazy. It's the day I'm getting married. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's actually exactly 10 years to the date uh, that I moved out here. And I moved out here to pursue a culinary career. I uh, went to Kendall College, uh, worked at a place called Moto, one-star Michelin restaurant known for weird avant-garde cuisine where you might eat your menu or eat a cigar or, you know. Yeah, very famous place. You and I, I believe, were in the same episode of Brew Dogs. Indeed. That featured... Yeah, we you and uh, and Chef Omar doing some weird, um, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, like green dye type <laughs> of thing for a beer, and then uh, I did a beer and bacon tasting that's with right. with the brew dogs. Yeah, it, that was that's actually a really cool story. So we can just kind of dive in right there since we're kind of delving into the history here. So the that episode, they actually contacted uh, uh, James Watt and uh, and uh, Martin uh, Dickey. They both uh, contacted. Uh, Hamaro Cantu basically asking if they could use the space, specifically the garden in the basement. We had this hydroponic garden where we were growing all of our own microgreens, uh, kind of a closed loop system that we had right on site. So we were able to, uh, you know, kind of instead of food miles, we had food feet for our microgreens and some vegetables. And so they had contacted us about that garden. And uh, Omar looks at me and he goes, I know I should probably put Richie on this episode because he's technically the chef. And this is uh, Richie Farina. He was on Top Chef and all that. And he just looks at me and he goes, but we're opening a brewery and this is about beer. So you go ahead. And he just kind of pushed me to the front. And he's like, basically, you have to make a green beer uh, using chlorophyll from microgreens in the garden. And you got to like uh, that. We wanted to make it taste green. So we like made a jalapeno distillate through a rotary evaporator and all this sciencey crap. And then the beer was just OK. But the, <laughs> the uh, it tasted like microgreens. It really did, and it, it did. tasted like the jalapeno too. So, but without the heat, which is kind of cool, because the distillate didn't hold on to the capsaicin, which was kind of fun. Uh, but the the cool thing that came out of that is uh, when we were about to open the brewery, I was apprenticing a lot of different places in the city. Uh, some of my brewer friends were nice enough to kind of let me in, dry hop, pipe works, all these cool guys. And finally, uh, Omar was taking up a lot of my time. I was his general manager for Moto at the time, and I needed to get away. And I was uh, commiserating this with uh, my friend Jared, who's the executive producer of Brew Dogs. And uh, he said, well, I know a couple guys in Scotland that would take you. So I ended up uh, vamooshing uh, over to Scotland uh, in Aberdeen and uh, apprenticed at Brew Dog for three months. So I got to say, I'm Scotland. That's very cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Did you enjoy Scotland? I did. Um, I did. And I didn't. Uh, so it's beautiful, right? It's gorgeous. Um, the food is uh, problematic. There is good food, like, but it's usually like Indian or it's fried. Like, it's, <laughs> there's like nothing like really in between. The, James and Martin do have a restaurant in town that's really good, though. They have like haggis egg rolls and like really cool stuff like that. You could drink lager out of a deer's a taxidermy deer head. It was a really really weird place. I might have just been on drugs. I'm not sure. I went to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Brew Dog Florence last week. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was a bar. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, they're not like making beer there or anything. You would be you would be surprised how many of those bars there are. I had no idea, but they're all over Europe. They're in Asia. I know they got bars everywhere, freaking everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I'm wondering uh, with the laws if they're going to be able to do that here. But I uh, know they've already got the brewery going and they're producing beer out in Columbus, and it's I've tasted it. it's freaking fantastic. So yeah, we you know I think we have one on tap right now. Um, they hired uh, Courtney Baldy out here. Shout out mm-hmm. to Courtney. We all know Courtney. Love you, Courtney. Yes, and uh, so. We have our first case of brew dog ever on tap, uh, and it is tasting rather good. It's mm-hmm. coming out of Ohio. They built a big brewery in Ohio, and um, they're, they're not going to be able to do what they did in Europe. You know, the, you can't have tied houses here. So no. Uh, but I would expect probably some more breweries, maybe. And you know, they seem to be doing this weird crowdfunding thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, called Equity for Punks. Yes, yeah. it's very punk rock. Yes. To, <laughs> to ask get for equity <laughs> money for your four thousandth pub. Very punk. Uh, right. I'm doing a crowdfunding thing. It's for my retirement. And, uh, yeah. Can just donate straight to me. Make the check out to Pat Burger. Cash is preferred. And I promise I'll stop the podcast forever. If you, if I get, if I get $1 million, you never have to hear this again. Awesome. Um, but so you went over there and you apprenticed and I assume you learned a lot because uh, the beers are tasted pretty good. Yeah, I, got this, uh, I was, yeah, I mean, it was it was great. This uh, I kind of apprenticed like in their um, uh, research and development department with this guy named Nick Ziegler, who now works for YCH Hops out in Yakima, and he was just amazing. The guy's got like four master's degrees, um, you know, one in brewing and distilling, another one in like biology. I don't remember, but basically, if I asked him like a simple question about beer, it would end, it turn into like a three hour conversation in about six beers, and I would have like my moleskine, and my little notebook would be full. So like. I really have to thank him for the the experience I got. Sounds perfect. It's a big brewery in Scotland. Right? They're the fastest growing brewery in uh, the UK, I believe. Yeah, is there a thing? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, when I first got there. I was staying at this little B and B down the road, and I was just kind of looking for like a little brewery because I guess I, I didn't really study them enough to know how big they were. <laughs> yeah. And I like go over this hill and I see all these like fermenters like peeking over the top of this like foothill in Scotland. I'm like that. That seems big. And then I get in there, I'm like, this is this is really big. What have I done? This place is maybe too big. I've never worked at a brewery like this. But that was a lesson. It was really cool. Oh, it's very cool. Um, so why don't we continue on with the old Irving story? Sure. Um, you, know, you know, one thing that I've really enjoyed is watching the neighborhood embrace you guys. Because, you know, I've been living out there for, uh, I don't know, 13 years or something. And there hasn't been much uh restaurant bar wise to you know make me excited and lately there's been a whole bunch of stuff oh, yeah. um not just you guys but uh, i was in fishman's last week for the first oh, time yeah, they yeah. just opened up uh their bar side mm-hmm. along with their bottle shop on the six corners and uh you've got eris uh brewery cidery that's opened up and awesome um uh, it, they're all doing well. The yep. neighborhood, apparently I wasn't the only one waiting for this to happen. Yeah. And I mean, Fishman had like such a, a great following even before that. And they've always been really good to the neighborhood. And I think that's kind of what we realized. I mean, the whole place was pretty much uh, built and concepted and funded by the neighborhood because uh, Jeff Linemeyer, my partner, he lives on Trip Avenue, uh, right down the road, like right kind of more actually closer to Eris. And uh, Matthias Murgis lives about a block and a half down from him. Uh, Mike Brick lives about two blocks away from them who built uh, Old Irving Brewing Company. Uh, and 
I, I live in the neighborhood. It's like literally the whole place was built, conceived and everything by the neighborhood. So we asked a lot of questions when we first opened up. And, you know, we first started out with kind of more foo-foo fancy food because that's where I come from and that's where Matthias comes from. And then eventually like people were like, nah, we don't really want that. And it's a little too expensive. And so we were like, all right, cool. We're going to go back and we're going to give you exactly what you want, but we're going to like we're going we're gonna to make it fancy. So we brought in a baker. We make all of our own breads for all of our burgers or sandwiches, stuff like that. We like incorporate some spent grain. We still got some cool dishes on there like wood-fired octopus and, you know, um, kind of more forward-thinking dishes like that. But we really started to focus on doing the top quality brew pub food that we could possibly do. So Yeah, I love that first menu personally, but yeah. um, I'm glad you guys listen to the neighborhood because yeah. it, it, that's – Anyone listening who, you know, is dreaming of opening their own restaurant, it's it, it's incredibly important to stick to your guns on some things. But when it comes to what the customers want, you have to be yeah. flexible. Yeah, and you have to change. Yeah. And, you know, we certainly did here at Kaiser. We most certainly did at Patty's. I mean, Patty Long's opened up as a very traditional Irish bar. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, you know, those aren't really that in style anymore. That's right. not really what people want. And, you know, morphed into the whole bacon concept. And you have to be able to do that. I mean, it, you know, it's 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 not your living room. It is a public house, right? You're absolutely right. And a lot of times, you know, people's egos get in the way of that. And they're like, well, this is my menu and this is who I am. And it's like, well, that doesn't really matter. Uh, do you want to make money? Uh, do you want people to come and hang out? And it's like the answer is, of course, unequivocally, yes, I want people to come in and hang out. So we kind of uh, adapted the concept a little bit and listened to the neighborhood. We also realized, like, we want we want these people to be regulars, you know? So we do specials every single day. Monday, beer, burger, bourbon, 15 bucks, you know? Tuesdays, you know, Wednesdays, there's one every single day, happy hour on Friday. So, you know, these people, they're like, they're telling us, like, we want a place to be regulars. Please make this a place where we can be regulars and it won't, you know, we won't, you know, spend all of our money here. So we've done that. And I, and I think it's, it's worked out really nicely. Yeah. yeah and I, I have to reiterate, I, I've been there a couple of times and it yeah. is a beautiful space. You Thanks. guys did an outstanding job. And, you know, I feel like it has that kind of what I would say modern brew pub feel to it. But what I noticed right away was it was busy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you had a, you, you know, and it, it filled up the space with a, with a really positive, great energy. So <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's it, awesome. it's a, definitely check it out, uh, particularly all the Chicagoans, but if you're visiting as well. Um, I guess, you know, one thing kind of learning about your background, I just think that, you know, that high concept food background is really interesting and so unique. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of brewers may have a f food background, but not maybe at that level sure. or with that, you know, how has that kind of impacted you and have you, has that impacted your brewing and what you, how you think about beer? <laughs> you, th you think a little bit, Andreas? You think it's impacted the way I do things? I think a little bit, yes. <laughs> so, Andreas is German, so he kind of uh, prescribes to the Reinheitsgebot, and he makes really beautiful beers. We actually uh, just did a Hefeweizen recently called Biller Lowlife. Uh, after him, and it's a Hefeweizen that he's been brewing since he was a kid, and uh, so we do some more traditional styles to to to, to kind of keep that side happy. Also, they're more profitable, and we sell a ton of them. Uh, and then, yes, definitely some of that like higher end cuisine has followed me um, to the to the pub. Uh, it makes you know the Reinheit. I just rip the Reinheitsgebot apart, and then uh, the beer purity law, and just really mess around with some things. So yeah, we've uh, we've done some cool things. I, I work really closely with Roderick Marcus over at Rare Tea Cellars, and uh, he used to provide like truffle and things like that to me when I was at Moto and also just like really rad tea and he's a great dude and he just lets me come in and we just kind of like taste through some things and uh, I came across this ingredient I used to work uh, work with a lot back at Moto called candy cap mushrooms it's this little mushroom that smells and tastes exactly like maple syrup like you open it and you're like it's a big 
bag of kind of earthy maple syrup. So made uh, this beer called Candy Cap Sap, where we actually incorporated these mushrooms into it. And everyone's like, like the other brewers really liked it. Some people were iffy, you know, because it still still kind of had a mushroom taste, but the predominant flavor was maple syrup. So kind of like doing some more of that kind of sleight of hand, like, you know, this is not exactly what you think it is. Uh, make sure I made a second version of that with uh, Lapsing Sushang, a smoked tea. So I was going for like a bacon and maple kind of vibe. It almost got there, but it, it was really cool, the experiment, and it tasted pretty good. Yeah. Is that still on tap, the mushroom beer? Not anymore. No, oh, I've been thinking, man. and I think I'm going to bring it back in the fall time. Cool. I had I, I've had some bad experiences with mushroom beers, yeah, me and too. then I, I finally had a really good one uh, a couple of weeks ago from Scratch Brewery. Freaking love Scratch. They're awesome. Uh, it blew me away, and uh, you know, I, I, the the mushroom flavor was there, but it was still beer, mm-hmm. and it just added this little umami thing to it. Totally. And, um, yeah, I, it was. I've had some bad mushroom beers. Let's just say that. <laughs> but uh, that yours sounds delicious. Well, I'll, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'll check it out next yeah, year. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think we'll probably like revisit it in the fall and kind of go even farther with it. And that, and that's kind of what the the kind of concept on the beer side, at least for me, is like this mix, right? You got some classic styles. Like you, we are drinking the Adela or Kolsch, which is uh, out there on the market now on draft, and uh, that's just like nice, crisp, clean, classic style. We've got the the Biller Low Life, uh, which is our Hefeweizen. It's a freaking good Hefeweizen, and then. We've got some like stuff that's like in vogue, you know, like some, you know, hazy IPAs and some stouts. But then we have kind of like what I like to call <laughs> Andreas and I both just shook our heads. That's just, a, that's you know, people right. can't see it. <laughs> the amount of hazy stuff we've done lately is pretty, uh, pretty crazy. It's like I just want one grain bill that doesn't have oats in it. <laughs> no. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, so <laughs> no, but we, uh, so, and then, and then the, the third is kind of like, uh, you know, paddle your own canoe, you know, kind of do your own thing, uh, try and concept something that's never been done before. Like, uh, and there's some stuff that has been done before. You don't know it's been done before, but we're doing like a white stout right now, which is like flavored, like horchata. It's 8%. It's got like really beautiful Saigon cinnamon in it and some Tahitian vanilla bean. And it's just really rad and just kind of weird. And you're going to feel like you're drinking horchata. Um, I brought with us today the Montrose. Um, so the, a kind of a, a thing that's in vogue right now and starting to get more traction are these, um, double dry hop brute IPAs. And when I hear brute, um, because of my background in fine dining, I always think of champagne. So I decided uh, on the uh, kind of dealing with the champagne thing, uh, the thing that those IPAs don't have is acidity. Uh, and anyone who knows about uh, champagne or, or those varieties that go into champagne, you get a lot of acid with that. And it, and it does have a little bit of almost tartness, especially when you get into the rosés. So the idea here was to make a Berliner Weiss um, completely dry it out. I use, um, I'll, I use all Omega yeast. They're a block and a half away from me. I can literally walk there to get my yeast pitches. And uh, they have this really rad, it's called Voskvik. It's a Norwegian yeast strain that can ferment up to like 95 degrees completely clean. Um, it also is a high attenuator. And then on top of that, we used a distiller's enzyme called glucoamylase, which drives it down to basically bone dry. And then uh, a little bit of um, sugar to dry it out even farther. And then lastly, we back it up with about $1,500 worth of strawberries uh, just to kind of set it over the top. So you're going to get like a lot of heavy strawberry up front. You're going to get some weird kind of funky notes, uh, probably from the lactobacillus. And then uh, it finishes with uh, pretty clean, actually. And it keeps you coming coming back because you kind of get that like tart pop. And uh, last night I brought this to Forbidden Root for their wheat fest. And the brewer from Forbidden Root came up to me and he said, I don't know if it was on purpose or an accident, but this is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It's a nice backhanded compliment, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think that's what us brewers do kind of all the time. He's like, I don't know what you did. I don't know if you meant to do it, but it's good. It's because like, I don't think he could kind of like make sense of it. But for me, it all made sense in my head. And then once it gets into glass, I'm like, well, it looks good. So yeah. it really does look like a glass of rosé. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, sorry, Pat. I oh, like uh, steal the mic from him. Uh, I feel like this one is uh, has a sweetness to it. Yeah. So that's because uh, I've tried some some beers that are are perhaps somewhat similar but they have yeah. a, a i like it it's it's very drinkable yeah uh, it's dangerous uh, yeah. This one. yeah yeah and it's you know five percent it's not too dangerous oh, it'll, it's, it'll okay. be right. yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 pretty low abv and yeah, it, yeah it's, it's tasty and yeah, that's great. it's and it's you know it's just fun and we're gonna keep on doing kind of fun concepts like that at the at the pub yeah i like the acidity level in this because you know a lot of these American Blender Vices are like taking the enamel off your teeth, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, this one, you're right. It just has that little, it's kind of the same acidity level of a, of a glass of wine. Exactly. We're really shooting for that. We, we didn't do any science behind that to figure out like what is the acidity of a glass yeah, of wine. Because I'm fresh off my wine week. So, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was, that was what we were shooting for. And plus I'm kind of a wino. Like I drink a lot of wine at home and stuff like that. So... I'm going to start. I really enjoyed my week of wine. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever done that mm. in my life. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone says, oh, you get like a bad hangover and stuff. I'm here to tell you this hangover is the same. <laughs> well, these, these clowns, man, they go out and they're like, oh, I'm going to drink wine like I drink beers. And you're like, you do realize that it's way higher in alcohol. There, <laughs> there is that. Yeah. You know, I just get really I bad mean, hangovers because like, you drank too much of it. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> right. It takes a little while to get your mouth hole used to taking like less liquid into it, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, uh, but once you get that down. Yeah. Golden's clean, clear sand. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, well, where were we going to go with this? The um, We're going to open up another beer here. What do we got? <laughs> uh, so we've got Beezer, uh, which is another one of our mainstays right now. Uh, it used to be called Trendy. Uh, so this was a series that I did because I didn't want to do a hazy. I'll be honest with you. When I first heard about it, it's like I just opened a brewery and all, all, already I was like becoming kind of a, a curmudgeon. <laughs> I was just like, no, I don't do hazies. It's like, you don't really do anything. You just open, you dipshit. Like, you know, you're going to, you can do hazies. So I decided if I'm going to do a hazy, I'm going to call it Trendy with an I just to be a jerk about it. It was either that or like Lemmings or some other like just kind of backhanded name for the beer. So we numbered them. Uh, we started in uh, the original idea was to like add an I for every new iteration of it. So at first it was trendy with one eye, two eyes, three eyes, so on and so forth. We got out about to number nine where we started talking like seriously about distribution and they're like, well, what do we want to put into distro? And we said, well, I think the Beezer has been doing great or the trendy at that time is doing great. Let's go check it out. And uh, apparently someone already had the trademark on a Vin Trendy, which is a wine company, funny enough, uh, here in Illinois. And um, they, they were totally cool with us using the name. But then, of course, the trademark offices wouldn't let us use the name. So Beezer it is. It's an old-timey term for the nose because I use four pounds of hops per barrel, Citra and Mosaic. And uh, it, it's a really fun job for Andreas and the team to clean out the fermenters after that. They love it, right? Overjoyed every time. <laughs> <laughs> Andreas is a man of a uh, few words, but uh, when he says them, they, uh, you get the meeting. Yes, it's powerful. Yes. <laughs> Very German. Excellent. Well, um, you know, I mean, we, uh, this, oh, you know, the double dry hopped IPA, Northeast IPA thing, 
it was a band uh, topic on the podcast for a little bit because oh, sure. we just couldn't, you know, we, it just got boring to talk about. I'm but sure. it is here to stay. And I, you know, um, I did allow my buyer here at Kaiser Tiger to have one on tap, uh, no more than one <laughs> at a single time. Smart. And uh, lo and behold, it's, you know, probably one of our fastest moving lines. <laughs> you yep. got to give the kids what they want sometimes. And, you know, and I, I, I really feel like a lot of um, the newer breweries who maybe didn't open up at the optimal time in this brewing boom, uh, it kind of saved a few of them, you totally. know, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about it is, you know, there's always different trends in, in the brewing industry. I mean, the, it is literally trends that created the stout, you know, and the porter and the pale ales of England or the in India, uh, the IPAs um, during that same time. All those at one time were probably the most popular beer of that era. And, um, you know, for a long time, it was like these like chewy, chewy IPAs from the East Coast and everyone was chasing IBUs. And now everyone's tasted, chasing aroma. And, and they're also like, and, it, and I feel like it has a sense of community because I've really watched it. I hated it. And then I like kind of dug it because all of a sudden I've got people who are like, I don't drink IPAs, drinking these, which I you know technically on the bitterness level, it's not an IPA. But you got these people who are like all of a sudden interested in hops and you get to explain hops in a different way. Like it's not just about adding bitterness, but, but look at what it does to aroma. Look at what kind of flavor you get out of it when it's not you know when you haven't isomerized those alpha acids inside the hops you get all this like crazy bouquet and fruity notes and you kind of start thinking about it in a different perspective which i think is fun and we sell the shit out of it which is yeah great, which is great <laughs> it's, it sells like a motherfucker right exactly. uh, well you know uh just like we were talking about the food menu you know you, you kind of sometimes have to give the people what they want totally. you know and um uh, I think the same argument applies for beer. We had we had uh, Brian from Illuminated here recently. Oh, and love that man! Uh, I, he's he's the best, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love I love chatting conspiracy theories with him. Uh, oh, it's one of my man. favorite pastimes. Yeah, he's in heaven right now with what's going on. I think. Uh, oh yeah, with the Russians. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, him and I need to have a couple <laughs> couple beers and talk about it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe more than beers, <laughs> yes. How about some vodka, comrade? <laughs> Need to get a shaman and sort this thing out. There you but, go. Uh, you know, they were the same way. They, they, they still make those beers that inspired them to open the brewery in the first place, which totally. is Saison's. They are yep. Saison Brewery. But um, sometimes you, you know, have to keep the doors open, totally. and uh, they made a juicy IPA, and it... Uh, sold out in a heartbeat and uh, has enabled them to grow and expand and totally. Brian quit his job and you know yeah. uh, so it's you know I, I'm done knocking it at the same time I'm allowed to say I don't like these beers and people oh, you yeah, know just have to chill out on that I don't you yeah. know I like my beer to be bitter yep and um you know, I don't like chunks in my beer, but <laughs> <laughs> I know they're not all like that. But um, yeah. Americans also have this this tendency to swing the pendulum way, way too far. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm sure things will settle down in the Northeast IPA world, just like they did in the double IPA world, which yeah. I was also against when it, those came out, you know, um, because I'm an old curmudgeon. 
And well, I'm comfortable with that. Well, there's also just a slap in the face to history when they start calling them Imperials and things like that. And people are like, oh, Imperial Lager. I'm like, it's, do you do understand uh, where that term comes from? The Imperial uh, Stouts came because they were making stouts for Catherine the Great and the Tsars of Russia. And so they would, yeah, and so <laughs> there you go. Trust and the conversation goes yeah. full swing. The BJCP judge comes out at me and I start to, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have steam coming out of my ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a great thing about it, though. It's like it's totally cool that you don't like them. Um, in terms of our hazy specifically, like, we don't use any flour or anything like that. We do it. We do it the hard way. Um, you know, it's it's all pelletized you know, hops. I, this isn't that cloudy. No, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's yes, it's all it's hazy. Haze, you yeah. know, and I'm you know, haze is 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 one thing. It, chowder is another thing, right? <laughs> well, some guys, you know, they're using flour and things like that to get the haze in. And people do. I mean, you'll get, like, you look at your reviews on Untapped or whatever, and you'll see these guys who are like, well, it's pretty good. It's tasty. I like the way it tastes. But if you look at it, it's not that, it's not that hazy. Know, and yeah. it's just like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> Chris Quinn from the Beer Temple yeah. told me, it, you know, it's finally happened. Someone returned a, a bottle of beer because it wasn't hazy enough. Yep. <laughs> And he was just like, what the fuck? I'm not giving you your money back because the beer isn't hazy. Like, oh, this is not, you know. Well, we had a, we had it's, kind of it was a, never a thing. We had a kerfuffle uh, at the uh, the brew pub where I made this beer. And it was kind of a collaboration between me and Jeff Linemeyer. And he had this idea for a hazy. And he wanted to use an ESB yeast strain. I'm like, just so you know, it's a really high flocculating yeast strain. Uh, it's going to fall out. And the beer is going to be clear. Uh, most likely. He said, well, maybe not. And I'm like, okay, maybe not. You know what? You're right. I don't know. I've never done it with an ESB strain. Let's go for it. We went for it, called it Pretty Haze Machine, kind of some uh, Nine Inch Nails inspired <laughs> things, and it dropped out brilliantly clear. <laughs> I bet it was great. It was delicious. And yeah. honestly, it was like, it was fruity. It had all of the flavors and the texture of a hazy IPA, but it was brilliantly clear. And I'm like, you know what? Like, if I can do this, maybe is this, did I just figure it out? Did I just figure out how to do hazies and make them clear at the same time? And I was like, and then like, of course, every single review was just like, uh, I'm not sure why it's called Pretty Haze Machine, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, it's supposed to be hazy dicks. Like, God damn it. I, know. It's, <laughs> I mean, you know, there was a thread on Facebook with brewers like, complaining that if they sent their hazy IPAs to be judged at GABF, they're afraid the time lapse might, you know, the beers might drop clear. Yeah, ship them upside like, down. You know, that used to not be a concern that the judge was. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the hazy thing is the thing I have, uh, the aspect of the style that I have the most problem with. I, I, I think, you know, maybe you should make a beer called, uh, uh, you know, since you're making white stouts, yeah. why don't you make a clear hazy IPA? There you go. And just really blow people's... Clearly, uh, it's hazy. Clear. <laughs> That'll <laughs> be the our, name of it. <laughs> this is our filtered, clear, hazy IPA. Trademark. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, if people can make, you know, uh, black IPAs, a black pale ale, oh. you can certainly make a clear, hazy beer, right? Yeah. When I, Words yeah. don't matter anymore. <laughs> right? No kidding. We know that. Uh, yeah, we all know that. Yeah, we know that. Uh, welcome to America Maybe you would or maybe you wouldn't. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> what you... What you say? It's a it's a bigly problem that we're having. <laughs> we're not allowed to talk politics. We're on this not. Podcast I wasn't either. going to. I didn't. I said nothing. We only allude to it. There you go. <laughs> Just brush up against it. Let's uh, talk about the food a little bit because sure. Matthias, uh, he is he seems to have his hand in a lot of stuff, man, and a lot he's of a good busy stuff. Guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, why don't you? Because uh, he's well, he's you show. 
or uh, yeah, X right? U show. U show. U show. Is U show gone? Yeah, I think it's. I think I would like to call U show on pause because I'm. I don't. I still haven't let go. It was one of my favorite restaurants yeah. in the city, and so there were a couple. Yeah, and so they, they had some problems with the building on one, the Vegas one, just you know didn't make it, and then there was one um, in Vegas. Yeah, there was one in Vegas for a little while. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. and then they had one uh, on the south side as well that just didn't make it as well. So, you know, it's a, a lot of as you know the restaurant industry is like it's hard. And it, it, it and certainly is super competitive. There's a ton of restaurants opening up. So every time one opens, you know that someone is going to close somewhere. And um, I think, you know, I'd like to I'd like to see you should come back. But, you know, Matthias Murgis, uh, you know, it's really cool to work with him as like an equal because I probably would have like walked over another cook's dead body after cutting their throat to work for him back in the day. <laughs> I mean, like that's how much I respected the guy and I still do. And uh, he's just got an amazing palate. He's got a really cool attitude, um, just really calm, almost ninja like. And he must be in a beer, huh? Yeah. You know, it's funny is he's not uh he's oh. he is now he's like more into beer he's more of a wine guy uh, yeah. because he worked for charlie trotters for 25 years this guy was drinking the best juice on the planet right. um so you know i mean like what, I mean, what do you expect? And uh, his, uh, Andreas's wife actually uh, used to work at Trotter's as well uh, as a baker i believe a pastry uh, pastry, chef. pastry chef and uh so she actually is the accountant uh, at OIB operations manager oh, wow. um, for, for the folk art group, which is a management group. So. The chef family tree out of Trotters is pretty unbelievable. It's crazy. Um, a, lot of, you know, a lot of big names. Yeah. Our friend across the street, Bill Kim. Awesome. You know, so awesome. Good. Such yeah. a great guy. Mindy Siegel. Amazing. Uh, Scary. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome. Uh, uh, is, I actually have a pretty funny story about Mindy if you want to hear it. Of course I do. So I was uh, I was out in New York with Hamaro Cantu when I was working for him, and we were at this Star Chefs Gala, and uh, I had to make uh, we we first of all he sent me to New York with a military duffel bag full of hatchets. Let's just start there, uh, dulled hatchets and uh, bones like marrow bones. So I just had one bag uh, that I checked that was full of dulled hatchets and marrow bones, and I arrive in New York. Uh, to uh, TSA um, all in a circle around my bag <laughs> at the carousels. <laughs> and they didn't, only one person said something to me, but I come up and I grab the bag and they just, I think most of them just wanted to see me. Like, wanted to be like, who is this? And they go, what's in that bag? And I said, a bunch of bones and hatchets. And they go, okay, we, th we thought so. And I was like, yep. <laughs> and I just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk, walk away, uh, minding my own business. So I get there, and Homer uh, Kentu, uh, he was a very busy guy, uh, total creative, very scattered brain, and he sent me in first. And so I've like worked like twelve hours on this dish. It's like a braised lamb shank. I'm using a tilt skillet in this restaurant, uh, right down in Times Square. I'm like twelve hours in. I'm doing all this prep. I've got some stuff that's kind of pre-prepped, but I'm like freaking out because the best chefs in the world are going to be here. All the celebrity chefs, every single person I've ever admired or wanted to be like is going to be at this thing and I'm going to be feeding them food that I cooked. And so Omar doesn't show up until like last minute. He told me he was going to be there basically a day before. And so I'm going down and uh, Mindy Siegel is there and she's working her station and she's looking at me. She's like, are you fucking by yourself right now? Cause you know, Mindy, she's got that mouth and she's just like, <laughs> it's freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, who, who are you with? And I was like, Omar Cantu. She's like that motherfucker. And <laughs> she, and he, he like comes in the door finally and she's sitting there prepping. She looks up like, Oh, look who decided to fucking show up. You got your guy over here sweating his ass off doing all the work. And let me guess, you're coming in for all the glory. You're going to sit out there in your clean ass apron, talking to people, shaking their hands. 
fans was like, oh my God, I love Mindy She's Siegel so best, hard yeah. right now. She's amazing. And after that, like, she I must was always, have worked with Omar at uh, Trotters, I'm, right? I'm guessing. Like, yeah, they they yeah. seem to have a past. Like, they seem to know each other uh, pretty well. But he was like, the look on Omar's face was just, he did not say a word. I've never, I've never actually seen him speechless. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. That is awesome. That's my Mindy Siegel story. The second one is when she uh, called out a, a certain pizza place on Facebook, and she just goes, who the fuck owns blank pizza place? And that was all. And I was like, I just posted. I'm like, oh, shit, you in trouble, blank pizza place? <laughs> Mindy's oh, I do remember you. that. Yes. You remember that one? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she, you know, my my uh, my homebrew partner, Brandon, who who's my line tech, uh, he does all my draft systems and everything. He, yeah. uh, he grows hops in his backyard, and... Um, Mindy was getting married to a very good friend of ours, Dan. Shout nice. out to Dan. And, uh, you know, she wanted to use some hops as decoration. I mean, yeah. Brandon had a ton of hops. So we had a brew day scheduled to make our fresh hop IPA, you know, and I show up and all the hops are gone. I'm like, well, where are the hops, man? You know, I thought Mindy was just taking half of them. He's like, she wanted them all. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, why didn't you tell her we were making beer today? You fucking tell her. <laughs> right. And Brandon is like, you know, uh, big dude, all tattooed. Oh, and yeah. Mindy fucking put him in his place, you know, and said, it's my wedding. I'm taking all your hops. And he said, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yep. It smart. was a smart move on yeah, his part. Totally smart. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's one kitchen I, I wish I would have worked in. Honestly, I would have loved to work for her. She's so freaking like powerful and strong and her food is so damn good. Yeah. She's so good at what she does. And I like to, to learn under that and to get kind of beat up like that. It's going to do nothing but good things for you in the, uh, in the culinary world, I think. Yeah. I, I believe that. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, awesome. You know, we, we touched on Omar a little bit. Let's, sure. uh, let's just, uh, you know, mention that, um, totally, you know, uh, Omar was supposed to be a big part of this brewery. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, he, he ended up taking his own life, Indeed. and uh, which is uh, an epidemic, it seems, right now. Big uh, time. And uh, certainly in our business, it's um, hitting home a lot. And, uh, um, you know, I understand you guys uh, have a charity uh, event coming up. Maybe we yeah, can... We totally. Can... So, yeah, um, obviously there's... A, there's a, you know what's funny is like what originally led me out to the city of Chicago was I lost my stepfather, um, who I was super close with. He was a quadriplegic. He was like a disability rights activist. Like the reason we have curb cuts in Michigan was because of Don Anderson. This guy was amazing. And on uh, Christmas Eve, he actually died. And it, it, we're not sure if it was a suicide, but it was definitely a drug overdose. And, and it was Oxycontin and, and another drug they found in his in his bloodstream. And it was super sad, man. It, it was, it, it, but it, it, it pushed me because I was very comfortable where I was and and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my future I was cooking at the time in Michigan and and after that happened I was like I, I got to do something this is this is wrong for me to sit now after losing someone so important to me so I decided to kind of chase a dream I just kind of picked one I was like I'm going out to Chicago I'm going to go to the best place for food that I know that's nearest to me in Michigan and I'm going to go and I'm going to try it out so um and then I you know I linked up with with uh, HC and and um you know, it was uh, like the island of misfit toys in that kitchen. It was a bunch of us, man. We were all deranged. I think most of us had been in and out of mental hospitals for a really long time. Just crazy, intense music blaring all the time. We were just like, it was like the land that time forgot down there. It was just, it was just absolute kind of controlled anarchy is the best way I can call it. The plates would come out beautiful. We were very serious about it, but everything else was just like a freaking circus all the time. <laughs> and so that kind of environment, you know, you, you, you burn and you burn and you burn and you're expected to work 90 hour work weeks. And then once you succeed at something, they expect you to succeed every single time and it's all gotta be perfect. And there's this intense pressure and, 
it can get it can get a hold of you. And I you know I don't know you know why Omar decided to take his own life. I, we don't know why Bourdain decided to take his own life. All we know is that it's an epidemic, and a lot of people are doing it. So after Bourdain passed, it it, it really screwed with me. I I had a really rough time after that. I didn't think I was going to be that affected by it, but I like I, I was a absolute hot mess. But I was also as I've been a hot mess in the past, I was very motivated, and so I um. A good friend of mine uh, works for um, Dark Matter Coffee, and they do uh, Sip of Hope, which is a coffee shop where um, the proceeds go to benefit Hope for the Day, uh, an amazing program uh, that's about suicide prevention, awareness, and also like destigmatizing the conversation about mental health. Um, their biggest mission here is to like be like, you go to the doctor when you uh, have a sprained ankle or when something's wrong with you. Um, when something's wrong with your most important muscle in your body, you don't, not everyone goes to the doctor. No one talks about it. There's all these like old, like really old techniques of dealing with depression and sadness and anger and anxiety. And it's like, oh, I'll just take some whiskey. I'm like, that's what they did when you would like, you know, like you're about to like get surgery in like the 1800, like this is not right. So, you know, the, this all, and, and, you know, especially around men, you know, too, because it was, you know, there's this whole stigma about men having to be strong and they don't cry. And it's just like, you're breeding sociopaths, you're breeding sociopaths and all that stuff's going to get pent up. So all this going on, Bourdain completes, Omar has completed. Uh, these are my idols. These are my people. I mean, Bourdain even went to Moto. I mean, for his show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone listening should look up the, um, no reservations in Chicago and, and see Bourdain, uh, with Omar, yeah. um, and get a little glimpse inside, uh, his brain, which was, uh, like Amazing. you said, scattered, but brilliant. Right. Exactly. I mean, the, the thing about it, like that kind of creative, you had to sit there and you had to listen to him and at first, like that's not, that's crazy. That's, that's insane. And then you would sit there and you'd think about it for a little bit longer, the things that Omar would say and the, and the things he wanted to do and just how impactful they could possibly be. And you're like, this guy's going to change the freaking world. Like you're like, you're like that, that idea. Like if you really let yourself get into it and be on his level with an idea. And that's why I followed him around for so long. I was like, this guy is, he's going to do something big. I mean, his story was pretty insane too he was uh i think a homeless runaway yeah essentially i mean like his yeah he had a lot of uh, problems in his family uh he, they were homeless for a little while um he came to chicago with i think it was like 200 bucks in his pocket uh to the back door of charlie trotters and he just came up and said i want to work for you and he started off as an intern ended up as sous chef uh got canned by trotter open moto which was supposed to be a japanese concept with joe devito and then that turned then omar cooked him one meal of this avant-garde stuff that no one had even heard of before this is before alinea this is before any of this stuff was around right yeah joe devito was like yeah do whatever you want and that's how it was born and they were i mean they opened and they were about to close six months later and then um basically they had this amazing um article come out and um uh, television show and it just everything went crazy from there and, and they got massively popular. And then I saw Omar in a magazine back in Michigan. I was like, I could never work in a restaurant like that. That seems too crazy. I, I, I don't have those kind of chops. Lo and behold, ended up working for him. And, uh, and yeah. And then eventually, you know, you got down the road and, and, uh, after Omar completed, I mean, I had put so much stock into our relationship and what we were going to do next, which is the brewery. I mean, the rest of my life was literally planned on this guy. And after he completed, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've been holding on for this brewery for four or five years now. I, I've been doing all this work for him, traveling around the world, doing all these projects with this like hope that we would eventually get to open a brewery together. And now I don't know if I'm going to. And um, and it, something stirred inside of me, 
me and uh, my partner Jeff were just like, we got to do it, but we got to do it right. And the investors are going to want the chef. And so that's how Matthias happened. But to kind of go back to your original point, the uh, the thing that I want to do, and, and this is really important that it hasn't been done yet, is d- during the destigmatization of talking about mental health and suicide and things like that, you also need to have artillery. You have to be ready for these moments. I was recently caught off guard with a friend who was suffering and I felt, I realized I don't, I don't have the means or like a, a, a book to deal with this. Like, is there anything out there? And you look and there's not really a ton. So my, my idea here is I want to make a training manual for restaurants, breweries, bars, everything like that. It's going to be an insert into your training manual and it's going to give you hope for the day all the training that goes along with hope for the day on how to talk about it. What do you do in case of emergency, how to look out for certain signs of someone that you think is on the, on the brink. And then a series of resources, numbers, people, like actual people you can talk to and, and kind of a jam with uh, Johnny and Mike from hope for the day myself. And uh, then we're going to do uh, biannual trainings there. Uh, so uh, twice a year, I'll be training on how to manage with compassion, but also how, how, managing with compassion can make you money and how you can actually keep more employees if you help them. Uh, if you do have to let them go, how do you help them after they're gone? Because they're still freaking people. And and then giving people the resources they need. So this is going to kick off September the 10th uh, with a 10-course um, uh, menu. Um, looking to get the best chefs in the city and 10 breweries. This is a great idea. I, uh, Thank you. You know, I will be there. My, my wife's a social worker and she often, you know, a lot of times I come home and, you know, tell her about the day and, and, you know, I, I spend a little time, uh, helping my employees through different situations, you know, and she's always like, you know, you got to hire me and to be the social worker for the restaurant. And, um, I used to think that was a crazy idea, but I, I think it's, it's, you know, there, there are other businesses that have that help on hand, you know, and, um, I've never heard of a restaurant with a social worker who, and if there's, I mean, you know, as a lifetime restaurant employee, we need help more than anyone. We're crazy. I mean, we find ourselves in really fucked up situations all the time. So, uh, you know, I think, I think you're right. This is uh, an opportunity for us all to, um, to help. And if there was one thing I learned from Omar, it's that you have to create an idea that is you can have your cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? You, he always wanted to create these ideas that would would change the world, but you have to make the choice easy. You have to make the choice cheap or you have to make it make sense. Otherwise, it's a bad idea, right? So the idea with this, um, I'm calling it a Hope in the Fire, uh, which is going to be the name of the event. It's on September the 10th, which is Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. Uh, 10 courses, 10 beers, and um, we're going to kind of talk about uh, hope for the day. We're going to talk about uh, the sip of hope with dark matter. Uh, we're going to have these conversations. We're going to we're going to start this conversation. But I, I'm I'm excited to see where it can lead. I'm looking into also creating basically. There's there's two different programs. I want to get into a trade program. Um, I have to figure out how legal that is first. Uh, but with uh, therapists and people in the mental health communities, where we as business owners are able to basically trade goods and services, just like we do so much anyway, breweries, things like that. So you get a card. You're in the program. 
program. These are your, uh, these are your therapists in return. The therapists get, you know, they get to go out, they get to come to your restaurant, they get a little bit of a, or they get a, you know, they get a, a discount that would be sizable and you guys can kind of work out on the back end what that discount is with that therapist. So now your employees can go up there and the therapy session doesn't have to cost $150 for each one of them. Or maybe there's like micro sessions that they're going to offer just to the restaurant people so they can get the help they need. Cause the scariest part is that it's so unattainable and not to get political, but Trump just cut a ton of funding for suicide prevention, awareness, mental wellness, uh, not to, not to mention like opioid addiction programs that we so desperately need as the number one killer of people under 50 fucking five. And it's just like, we, we cannot rely on our government anymore. We have to rely on each other. If you want, uh, if you want to be kind of socialist about it, kind of you do it yourself and let's, let's create a program together. And, um, I think we can. Yeah, that's actually capitalist, right? To do it yourself. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, totally. And I agree. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I we're doing it ourselves, agree. but it takes a village. It takes all of us to, to put into the kitty. And yeah. so that's kind of the, yes, the idea I, I think it. this is a great idea. It's in my calendar. I just put it in there. Oh, thanks, um, man. I will be there. Yeah. I'm um, very excited about it. Obviously, it's near and dear to my heart. I'm also very glad that I have support like Andre around so I can kind of focus on doing some more of these things that I've always wanted to do. And I have the resources now, which is really rad. So, yeah, it's great. Well, we'll talk after, and you let me know what I can do to help. For sure. I will. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bruce, what else you got? I've been hogging the mic. Yeah, and I'm also going to pass this yeah. along to Andre for new <laughs> questions, day-to-days uh, yeah. yeah. and stuff like that, please. I'm done talking. <laughs> no, no, and thank you. Thank you for being open and, and sharing as well, because, um, yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely share that stuff on on our social medias and stuff, and, and to the extent we can help. Thanks, man. Uh, because, I mean, you nailed it. So, uh with that uh, said, you know, uh, from our, uh, for me, nothing too much going on, just touring, uh, drinking some beers. And, um, and so if you want to learn about Chicago history and beer, go ahead and take a Chicago beer tour. I think that's it. We're, we're at this point, right? That's why. We are. Oh, yes. Uh, is this, is this shameless? Uh, did I jump the, did do I jump it. the gum or did, did I jump the gun? Uh, the beer's hitting me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that mic. Yeah, yeah. You take it. I, I'm not. I, I'm, uh. <laughs> yes. Play, uh, shameless plug time. Bruce uh, has nothing. Uh, <laughs> Trevor, what is going on at, uh, what else is going on at OIB? What beers are coming out? You got any events? What's happening? Yeah. Oh my God, we have so much stuff going on. As I mentioned, we're, I'm getting married August 19th to a wonderful woman named Amanda Regnier. Uh, I'm going to make her my wife there. Congratulations. Thank you so much. We, uh, awesome. we, brewed, a, we brewed a Pilsner for the event, uh, which is uh, also very exciting, called Tell Death, because uh, I'm macabre and I'm a metalhead and I can't help it. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's going to be just a really nice, light, regular Pilsner, believe it or not. It's got kind of more so traditional. So it's not a bride ale, it's a bride lager. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Thanks. Not That's a nuptial ale. A nuptial. <laughs> a nuptial lager. That's it. And so, uh, yeah, we're excited about that. We've got um, our two-year anniversary coming up, as I had mentioned, uh, the 22nd of September, that weekend. Uh, so we, we party Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have live music, all that good stuff, um, food specials, German food specials, make this guy happy. And... Um, and uh, we uh, actually are brewing the Biller Low Life for the second time. We just brewed that yesterday. Um, it went over so well the first time we brewed up another 15 barrels of it. Uh, we are looking into a canning line right now, which is huge. Uh, we're going to get kind of like a micro canning line for inside the brewery uh, for production uh, through Lewis Gluns. I hear there's one for sale at Bader Brown. 
Oh, that's true. I forgot. I mean, yeah, that went on auction. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I, I saw the it's auction. It's a big items. canning line. I yeah, mean, that's to be the honest, thing I can't. You guys don't have room for it. I do not. No, that's yeah, that's a it's fact, a big Jack. one. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got yeah, we got a lot we got a lot going on, man. And then of course, uh, there's the beer and barbecue challenge uh and uh, oh, yeah. Old Irving Park and that's huge. That's coming up real soon, by the way. Uh that's on August the 4th and uh you definitely don't want to miss that one. It's like the best of the best breweries teaming up with these pit masters and it's like all you can eat pork and all you can drink beer and um it's also a competition so you get to weigh in on uh you know, uh, uh who's going to be the 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 winner of this whole competition. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I had a collaboration beer in a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. Cool. What was we it? We didn't win. It was a, <laughs> uh, it was a smoked lager I made yeah. with uh, Pete over at Haymarket. I mean, I'm sure it was perfect, and I'm, I guarantee it was the best smoke lager ever, and people are fucking <laughs> weird about smoke. They really are, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all true. Uh, yeah, and that one is at, that's at uh, St. Viator, Viator, yeah, right? St. Viator yeah, that's Church right by in my the parking house. lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you definitely we'll have to give a it. shout out to the uh, I think three time winning team of um, Carlton and Jamie Franz. A oh, couple yeah. of degenerates. Well, you know, we're, out we're teamed for... up with them this year. Are you? Yeah, this oh. is the second time we've been teamed up with. It's so cool story. Uh, the first time I ever did the competition as a brewer, uh-huh. um, we didn't we weren't brewing it. So I made it on a pilot system, and it was Sentinel, which is our house IPA with mango. And I was I literally did it in soda kegs. It was like the most thrown together beer I think I've ever made. Um, it tasted really good though, and people loved it uh, so much that we cleared the competition. We won every single trophy. Nice. Um, yeah. Think, uh, yeah. With those guys, with with, uh, uh, with, uh, with the Carl Los, and Los Benditos Guajillos. Is that uh, the name? Of, yeah, yeah, I never remember that. Actual. Competition name. So yeah. this year we're kind of uh, bringing in some Indonesian flair uh, as uh, Scott uh, on our team um, has spent a lot of time in Indonesia, just had his wedding there. And so uh, we're, we're bringing in some Indonesian uh, flavors and I'm going to do some uh, specialty one-off beer just for the competition. Um, and uh, if if uh, if the trend continues, I think you're going to see more and more crazy beers there. Pete Crowley brought a freaking barrel-aged Claire's Thirsty last year, like bringing a gun to a knife fight. Uh, <laughs> of course he won best beer. We're like, oh, I see how it is. Yeah, is. We're just going to throw our barrel-aged beers at this competition. Got it. I think the uh, the co-owner of Haymarket is a big-time St. Oh, John guy. Yeah, yeah, John, and he, he kind of started the whole... He did uh, event, right? Yep, he sure did. Uh, they're, yeah. they're, it's it's funny because people like because it's an old Irving Park. They're like, oh, it's old Irving Brewing Company's beer and barbecue challenge. I'm like, really? If you were going to put a brewery on it, it's Haymarket's beer and barbecue it really challenge. Is. Yeah, right? yeah, 100. Not the first very successful, awesome beer festival started by the guys at Haymarket. Oh that's my for god! Sure. Yeah, I mean, classic. Awesome. Well, what's going on with me? I am going to talk about. Uh, let me get a date because. Um, but we are going to do our annual uh, cheap beer Malort Festival. Oh my! Is that real? Is yeah, that happening? Real. Oh it's real. God. It's at Patty Long. Be there. Um, it is uh, the twenty seventh, so July twenty seventh, uh, at Patty Long's. Uh, you know, all year we try to um, you know give the people a, a great product. And then once a year, we try to give them the shittiest stuff we can possibly come up with. And uh, it's very popular night and line out the door. So uh, there'll be lots of Malort, lots of uh, beers you haven't seen since you peeked in your grandpa's fridge in the <laughs> 80s. And uh, it's always a good time. Sam Meckling from uh, Malort will saunter down the stairs from his apartment up above Patty Long's and be the, uh, the host with the most. And it should be a great time. 
Uh, there will be a lot of brewers at that thing. We love cheap beer and, and Lord, Lord. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I guarantee you Tracy Hurst will be there for Metropolitan. Will. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the people from Metro, I'm sure, will be there. Pounding yeah. hams and uh, mm-hmm. shots of Millard. So. Yeah. Uh, that's all I've got. I want to uh, thank our guests. Uh, really, really great time talking to you guys. Um, Trevor and Andreas, uh, just wonderful people, a wonderful brewery, fantastic food, fantastic beer. So get out to Old Irving Brewing Company um, out on, uh, what's the address? 4419 West Montrose. It's uh, right off the uh, Montrose Blue Line stop by about two blocks. So Perfect. Can't miss it. Awesome. And until next time, tell your friends, Beer Opinions Podcast at beeropinions.co and write a review uh, as long as you liked it. <laughs> 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 All right, till next time. Thanks. Later.